How y'all doing this morning? Is it well with your soul? That's a great song, isn't it? Because life isn't always easy, and it's good to be reminded that even when things are challenging, it can still be well with our soul when we focus on God. And, and uh, if you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you. We, we are in a series of messages, uh, a theme that we have this year in 2019, just calling it simply Draw Near to God. And that's really what we want to do really every day, not just on Sundays, but we want to draw near to God. That's where, that's where the power is. He is our Father. He loves us, and he calls us to uh, a certain life. And we, we aspire to live that type of life. And uh, we appreciate his grace and, and the love he pours out on us. And, you know, many of us, we've just completed a 21-day fast of different types. And uh, I think a lot of us are seeing things in our hearts that uh, maybe we're a little bit buried before, uh, but it's, it's amazing the, how powerful it can be. And so we're all in this together trying to draw near to God. And today we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, prayer. You know, prayer is, is something that's very powerful in the life of a, a follower of God. We need to pray. We need uh, God to, to help us in this crazy life because we can't do it ourselves. Uh, but why pray? Why pray? Because sometimes we can just do the, ri the ritual stuff, but sometimes we forget the heart behind stuff. And uh, I, about, wow, it was right before I moved here. So it was in 2006. I, uh, I, I ran across a book, and it was a 13-week prayer journal. And at that point in my life, I don't think I'd really committed to something for that long. And so honestly, at the very beginning, it's like you write a prayer out in the journal, and I just prayed, God, help me to actually finish the 13 weeks. You know what I mean? This, help me not to do it great for two or three weeks and then just kind of put it away and move on to the next cool book, book at the time. And so I, I actually went back to this book uh, just a few, you know, this week as I was preparing this message, and I found this, this part early in the book uh, about the author. The author's kind of wrestling with her own heart, and she's like, you know, she, she looked at her heart and she thought, you know, this is really my my real attitude about prayer, if I'm being honest. And I think probably a lot of us can relate. And she said, you know, Father, this is her idea of prayer truly in her heart. Father, I want to, I want to know how to pray so that I will know how to get you to do what I want you to do <laughs> when I want you to do it. I hope to learn how to make the best possible use of prayer for my benefit. She, she was just being honest. And she said, once I reached that point of honesty, I knew my course was set. God could work with me now because he could begin with my weakness. And I, I really resonated with that concept. And I think many of us struggle with that. We pray so that we can get God to do what we want him to do when we want it done. And I believe that the best place to start in prayer is just to acknowledge our weakness to acknowledge that our motives aren't always great and pure, and to acknowledge that we desperately need God. And prayer is a way to connect with him, communicate with him, and not just to get him to do stuff for us. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to look at a time in Scripture where I think God's people struggled with this very concept, and we can see how they grew as a result of overcoming uh, some of this. So let's pray. Father, we, we want to come to you this morning without a heart that 
will only call your name when we need something. Father, we know we don't want to be that person, but we often find ourselves in that spiritual space. And I just pray that we can learn from the scriptures that we see today that you are a holy God, you are a righteous God, you, are, you deserve to be respected, revered, loved, worshipped. And uh, Father, I just pray that we can gain that heart this morning and that we can learn from the lessons of Scripture that we'll read today what not to do. And we can also leave here with a deeper respect and admiration for you and a desire to want to communicate you for your glory and for the benefit of this world. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we got to jump in. I don't want to lose my time. I got my timer going. Bam, let's go. Here we go. We're going to look at a passage in Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 4. So what's going on here? The Philistines are fighting the Israelites once again. And we find that the battle spreads in verse 2, and Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. So the soldiers, they returned to the camp, and the elders asked them, you know, why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? And they said, well, let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh. See, when it is with us, it will save us from the hand of our enemies. Huh. So what's going on here? You might say, well, first of all, what in the world is the ark? Because some of us are not familiar. Some of us are flashing back to Harrison Ford and Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you grew up any time around the 80s or whatever. But the Ark of the Covenant was very powerful, and it, and it contained, as we find out in the scriptures, it, it actually contained parts of the Ten Commandments, manna, Aaron's staff. I mean, this was a powerful, uh, very powerful element into the uh, worship of the Israelites, and it was housed in the Holy of Holies. So the holiest place in all of Israel, this is where it was, okay? And so it did represent the presence of God. But what we notice in that moment, they lost a battle, People died, and so their thought was, well, if we could just bring the ark with us on the battlefield, surely we'll win. Surely, right? I mean, God wouldn't let himself lose, so let's just bring him out on the, on the, on the battlefield, right, with uh, the ark. We'll see if that's a good idea or not, right, as we move on. Did that work? A few verses later, the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. How many did they lose before in the previous battle? 4,000. Now with the ark on the battlefield, they lose 30,000. And then look what it says. The ark of God was what? By whom? The enemy. What? How could that happen? Eli, who was a the priest at the time, his kids died. I mean, what a horrible, horrible moment. And so you go, that did not work. So what was going on in their hearts? I think we see at that moment, they were really kind of hoping that God's presence would be like a good luck charm. You ever felt that way with God? Right? You don't, you don't get the sense that they wanted to draw near to God for who he was and for, to seek genuine help. That wasn't there. They just wanted a good mascot to win their victories. And look where it got them, right? It didn't work. And I think that's instructive for our lives as well. 
We got to be careful why we want God to draw near to us and why we want to draw near to him. I think it matters our motivations. So they lost. And then we don't have time to get into it. But if you want some like something kind of fun to read, read what happens when the Philistines get the ark. Read, read. If you want to just enjoy a little bit of fun reading, I don't have time to get into it. So they bring the ark. They, they, they're the winners. Wow, they, they've defeated Israel's God. They got the ark. So they bring it in, put it in the put it into kind of their own temple next to the uh, statue of their God, right? They go to bed, they wake up the next morning, the statue of their God's falling on his face. They go, whoa, what happened, right? They don't know what the heck's going on. So the next day they come back, not only is he falling down, now his arms are broken off and all this other stuff. And they're like, whoa, this is messed up. We got to get rid of this thing. So then they start shipping it around to other cities. And it gets to a point where finally they come together and they're like, look, man, we got to get the ark of God of Israel out of here. Let it go back to its own place so it won't kill us and our people. The terror of death was throughout the entire city. God was attacking them very severely there. The people who did not die were struck with sores. Some translations, tumors were breaking out all over people, and they were dying. So they were like, let's get rid of this thing. So what do you even learn there, right? It's like God is who he is, okay? His own people might not know how to treat him, right? And then the, the enemies, they definitely don't know what to do with him. But at the end of the day, God, he is who he is. He will be who he will be. He will be respected. He will be revered. He is almighty. He is all-powerful, no matter where he, his presence may be. And whether his people get it or his enemies don't get it, he is who he is. That's who God is. And so they, they, they man, they got rid of him. They got some cows they loaded them up. They sent the cows free. Go, get out of here, you know? And so the, 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 the cows carry the ark back to Israel, all right? And then the people see it. The Israelites see it in this town. They see it on the horizon in Beth Shemesh, these people. And they see the ark coming back, and they start shouting, yes! You know how long it had been there? Seven months. Wow. Seven months. So they're celebrating they're, they're trying to throw a party, basically. They're, they're cutting up things for a sacrifice. They're excited. But then some people decided, man, let's just look inside the ark and see what's in there. Wow. But God struck down some of the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh putting 70 of them to death because they looked into the ark of the Lord. The people mourned because of the heavy blow the Lord had dealt them. And the people of Beth Shemesh asked, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? Let's stop right there. So what's going on here? What's our theme for the year? Draw near to God. Were they trying to draw near to God? I mean, in a way, I guess. But I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but I do think we, we need to understand we, there's a way to draw near to God. There's a heart posture that we need to have <laughs> to draw near to God that they did not have, okay, in this moment. But what, do you, what should have happened, in my opinion? And I think we need to look at this. You know, what should have happened in this moment when they see God strike them dead, they should have hopefully have thought, oh my goodness, we need to recalibrate how we approach God. 
You know, there's a proverb that says, a man's own folly ruins his life, but yet his heart rages against God. And I believe some of that's going on here. It's their own folly. Why would you do that? It's like, I'm not going to go on some safari, jump off the, the, the car and say, look at that lion's tail. Let me just see what it feels like, you know? And if the lion comes after me, like, that's on me, you know? That's on me, right? You, you, you don't do that. You need to respect that situation, right? There's no reason for them to start opening up the ark. But yet they're upset with God. Oh, God dealt us this blow. No, 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 no. You, don't, you didn't approach God with the right respect and the, the, the reverence that he deserves. And so what, what should happen in this moment, I think, is some self-reflection. Maybe we've lost our way a little bit. Maybe, we, maybe we've, we've, we really aren't approaching God the way we should, you know. And, and I think they needed to learn not to use God's presence as some good luck charm, right? Trying to manipulate God and to do on their will, right? Which what prayer can be sometimes. God, draw near to me so you can just, just get me out of my problems. Sometimes it's not about us getting closer to God. And we got to realize God is to be feared and revered and respected. And notice what they said. Notice what they said. They said, to whom will the ark go up from here? Which means what? Get him out of here. I don't want, I don't want to draw. I don't want to be near God. I don't, this doesn't feel good, so get, get God away from me. And I think that's, the, that's a lot of our problem. You know, things don't go the way we want them to go. And instead of confronting who we are and, and looking within ourselves and trying to change whatever we can, we just, we just don't want to be near God. We just kind of send him away, put up walls, right? And they just want to get rid of him. So they send some messages from another place. They said, just come get it. We don't want to deal with this. We don't want to be close to God, really. And so that's something else we learn. So what happens after that, right? And the Bible says from the day that the ark remained in this new place, how long was it there? 20 years. 20 years. The ark is at some guy's house. 20 years. So, so for 20 years, they are, they're going to church of some kind. They're, do, they're doing something in, in the sight of God, but they're not connecting with God. And they're actually, they're complacent in a sense that God's presence isn't among them for 20 years. But there's something that they do feel like there's something off because the, the Bible says in these different translations, you get the picture, they're lamenting, they're mourning, they're, there's something missing. They, they can't, life isn't what it should be. The presence of God isn't where we want it to be. And I think that's where some of us are right now, spiritually. Some things haven't happened the way we want it to. And instead of that self-reflection, and then what can, I, what can I see, God? You are who you are. You're righteous and holy. What can I learn? We, we shove God away, and we, we put him in the, to the hinterlands, and we just figure we'll just exist. We'll figure it out. And decades go by. And after a while, you start wondering, man, I'm not as excited or as fired up. I don't kind of get it. Maybe it's the church. Maybe it's these people. I don't know. But I think that's very telling. For 20 years... They had to exist without God's presence among them. And I love this quote from Matthew Henry. He 
You say, you know, it was better with the Israelites when they wanted the ark and were mourning after it than when they had the ark and were prying into it or priding themselves in it. At the very least, after 20 years, you could, they started feeling their need. Right? They're feeling their need. <laughs> it's been too long. You know, they had it, but they, they were just, right, let's just bring it into the battlefield as a mascot. We'll win, you know. That wasn't the right heart. Then they don't treat God the way they should, and they, they suffer the consequences. <laughs> they get rid of God. That's not the right heart. But, but living separate from God, living without his presence for 20 years, they start to realize this ain't good either. This isn't good. And so they mourned and they lamented. And so finally their heart was in the right place, that place of weakness when you really, really should have to pray. And then somebody named Samuel comes on the scene, right? And Samuel says, you know what, if, you, if, you, if this mourning is really genuine, if you really want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, then let's get rid of all these other gods. Because isn't that amazing? When you don't really have God in your life, the God of the scriptures, you start worshiping all kind of stuff. You let all, all kind of other ideas get all up in your mind and direct the way you live. And that's what happened to them. They're worshiping these fertility gods all around them and agricultural gods. And, and same was like, you're really serious about wanting God's presence. You want God to draw near to you. You need to clean out that junk in your heart. Stop worshiping other gods. And guess what? The Israelites, they responded. You know what? They got rid of those idols. And then Samuel said, okay, let's all assemble at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. Now, some people say that was like an example of their hearts just being poured out, like a ritual to show their hearts are being poured out. And they fasted there. And they confessed. I mean, they're getting spiritually connected. We've sinned against the Lord. Finally, they acknowledged, this just, we're messed up. We're weak. We need, God. we need you. Now they're at a place of power, right? And so now things are going to get great in their life, right? Now it's perfect. No, you know how it is in the movies when everything's great and everybody's laughing and the slow motion and it's just awesome. You know the next scene is something challenging, you feel it coming. You know it's coming, right? They're repenting. They're confessing their sins. They're turning to God. And the very next thing you read about is the Philistines start going, wow, look at all those Israelites together in one place. Do you see any weapons? No. Let's get them. Because they just went to pray. They just went to confess their sin. They're not ready for battle. They're not lined up for battle. So the Philistines notice all of them there. They're vulnerable. So the Philistines want to go attack them, right? You just go, isn't that how life is? You try to do something spiritual. And then the enemy just comes hardcore. We were like two, three days into the fast. And I got a text from, I think it was Michelle Wright. She was like, Jeff, you need to get up in front of the church. And she just listed like two or three things that were just challenging, right? And she's like, man, right when we fast, look what happens. Right when we're trying to get our hearts right, look what happens. This, this happened a couple weeks ago, right? And here they are trying to do something spiritual. And the Philistines, they start and come to attack them. And in verse 8, look what they say. They said to Samuel, hey, go run and get the ark. Did they say that? No. Hey, we need our mascot. Hey, just go get God and manipulate him to fight for us. No. What do they say to Samuel? You know what, Samuel? Don't stop 
crying out to God. Cease not, I think the King James says. I like that. Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel takes a lamb, sacrifices it. Hmm. Lamb, shed blood. Hello? Anyone listening? Do you get that? I'm just throwing that in there for you. There's a lot of imagery in the Bible that you should pay attention to, right? He cries out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And guess what? The Lord answered him. Amen. So what happens next? Right? The Bible says Philistines came to fight, but then the day the Lord thundered with loud thunder. That's a redundant to me right there. But the, the Lord thundered with loud thunder. You know, you wish you could read it in the original language. I'm sure it sounds cool. But it threw them into confusion and panic, right? And they were routed before the Israelites. Right? They're routed. So what weapons did the Israelites use? None. They, they had no swords. They weren't even set up to fight. But what happened? Prayer delivered the victory for them. Prayer delivered the victory. So what can we learn from these moments in Scripture? You know, we got to be willing to learn. And Samuel figured it out. He's like, y'all need to learn something from this. And I appreciate, he said, you know, we're going to name it Ebenezer. You know, a stone, a stone of remembrance he sets up. What does he say? Thus far the Lord has helped us. I like that, don't you? Thus far, the Lord has helped us. But you might say, wait a minute. Thus far, what about, what about like tomorrow and next week? And I think the question is, well, that's up to you. <laughs> that's up to you. And thus far, they could also say, what do you mean thus far? The Lord has helped us. Don't you remember those, those 70 people that died in Beth Shemesh? Don't you remember the 4,000 people that died in the first battle? What about the 30,000 people that died in the other battle? You mean to tell me that God was with us then? Sometimes we approach life like that. And I believe Samuel would have looked him dead in the eye and said, absolutely. It's not just about the quote-unquote victories we need to see God at work even in our defeats. Because in our defeats, that's oftentimes we're willing to look within and acknowledge where we are weak. And without those struggles, as James even talks about, consider it pure joy when you suffer trials of many kinds. Even a trial, even a defeat, if you allow it, you can say, well, you know what? I guess God allowed that to wake me up to wake us up. So I appreciate the thus far. Some people say it, it's a double meaning. It's a, it's a geographic, like he's with us up to this point. He's, he's been with us here. And others say it's a double meaning, you know, with the whole concept of he's been with us up to this point, but will we want to draw near to him from this point forward? Why do you want to draw near to God in prayer? It's a great question to ask yourself. Do you just want God to rubber stamp the stuff you want done in life? Or are you willing to say, God, you're a holy, righteous God. Who am I to even ask you anything? I'm weak. I can't defeat anyone or anything. All of the weapons I choose to, to fight with, 
always fail, it seems like. God, I need you. I don't want you to just be with me up to this point. (laughs) I want to draw near to you every day after this point, you know. And I believe that's what Samuel was trying to get at with his people. Because think about this. Where was Samuel for those 20 years? When the ark wasn't there, where was Samuel? I believe Samuel was probably trying to wake people up, (laughs) trying to get them, hey, man, we we need to wake up. I believe he was trying, but they weren't ready. And so I think Samuel saw a lot of hard-heartedness, you know. And I hope that we can have a similar heart. To look back over your life, any defeats, anybody suffered any defeats? Have you seen discouragement in your walk with God? Have you been confused about things that have occurred in your walk with God? Have you been actually upset with certain people, right, in your walk with God? Have you actually looked at certain eras of church life and just gone, man, that was messed up. That whole season right there, that time period was jacked up. Do you look back on those and just go, man, God wasn't with us? Or can you say, man, he he was always, God's going to be who he's going to be. Are we willing to draw near to God even in the discouraging times and acknowledge him and through our weakness Praise him through prayer to watch him do great things and to provide victories that we can never provide for ourselves. May we focus on these types of prayers in Scripture. And that's what we're going to do this whole month. We're going to look at moments of prayer in Scripture to see how people drew near to God and to see how God responded. That'll be the whole month of February. So let's go ahead and pray. We're going to say a prayer and we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Father, we're grateful to have these moments of Scripture where we can look and we can learn. Father, we never want you to feel that we just pray to you so we can get stuff from you. Father, we don't ever want to go 20 years of our life without feeling your presence or at least seeking your presence earnestly. I pray that we don't have to live that way. And Father, thank you that even when we don't treat you the right way, you drew near to us in the most intimate way through Jesus, your son. That he walked among us. That he shed his blood for each and every one of us. Father, we're going to take the Lord's Supper with gratitude in our hearts. We take the bread that represents his body and the, the juice that represents his blood. We take it into our bodies. And we acknowledge Jesus for who he really is. He gives us life. We remember him. He's, we don't need a stone of remembrance. We remember Jesus right now. And we remember that we can draw near to you because of him, because of his sacrifice for us. We praise him, and we pray in his name. Amen.